Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Let's see if I can get this one open on the first try. Oh my God, I don't know why. I bought this new cans of beers, and it's, I don't know why I can't get them open. It's kind of embarrassing. The last episode, last week episode, for you that are listening, you probably did it. But let's go. Let's give it a try. No more excuses. I had to edit out the intro for my last podcast because it took me like a good 60 seconds to open that can of beer. It's embarrassing. But anyways, great for you to, for you today, guys. I got one of my favorite um, kayak bass fishing anglers um, and somebody that I think finally is getting his dues as far as putting some respect to his name. We're going to be talking a lot about that. Um, and also about his latest win at Gundersville. And of course, I'm talking about the great Eric Siddiqui. Uh, I just met Eric Siddiqui now on the post-recording, but everyone that I've talked to, you know, Jackson or Guillermo Gonzalez, Matthew Scotch, um, Christian Fisher, you know, has nothing but great things to say about Eric Siddiqui. So I was really excited to have him on the podcast because it's, you know, when you have good people on the podcast, it makes it even more enjoyable to enjoy uh, the recording. So um, he had a big win at Gundersfield. Of course, he won the national championship signature win right there. Um, and we're going to be talking a lot of bed fishing and a cool story about beers. So I already told him he's in the best kayak and beers hall of fame. But anyways, short intro, we'll get right to it. Uh, before we go to the Waypoints commercial, be sure to check out Douglas Outdoors. Go to DouglasOutdoors.com, sponsor my podcast. Shoot, thanks to them for their support. Um, go check it out. Great, um, great rods. Fly fishing, LRS rods uh, for spinning and bait casting, and the X Matrix rods, which is their signature lineup for uh, bass fishing. So go check it out. DouglasOutdoors.com. We'll go to a quick commercial, and then we'll bring Eric Sedigan right in. Ready. <laughs> so, anyways, Eric, thank you so much for joining me. I see. If you can move a little bit to the left, let me show off those. Um, Left or right, whatever you want, but uh, let's see some of those trophy cases. Oh, yeah. That's just from this year, so. Just from this year? Yeah, there's the KBF one, 
I was uh, Queen City on Santee Cooper, of course, the Bass Master Championship, uh, second place in the Pro Series, and Big Bass at uh, Santee Cooper. So. Yeah, I like how you have <clears throat> that kind of like diverse, you know, kind of like a little bit from everywhere. Kind of yeah. shows what a great um, angler you are, not just winning in your quote-unquote horny holes or home lakes but yeah. running all around you're originally you actually live in cincinnati right or in right, ohio yeah. cincinnati yeah uh, That's where I'm from. how's the how's the fishing up there right now it's never really any good um if <laughs> you can you can catch fish here you can catch them anywhere i always say so uh, i think that's probably helped me being able to travel to to great lakes like gunnersville and stuff it kind of makes it easy um just coming from an area where it's not easy to catch them for, so for somebody that's never been to Ohio in general, like myself, what's, what's the predominant tactic? What are the lakes like? This is like rocky lakes, grassy lakes? There's a little bit of everything. Um, <clears throat> some of my favorite lakes are gravel pit lakes around here. And uh, there's a couple close by. You can't really fish them anymore. But uh, it's one of the things that helped me when I first started out. Uh, there's two lakes close to each other. One's a lot of wood and rock and stuff and the other ones uh has a lot of hydrilla and grass and stuff in it so i was depending on where i was going i could kind of pre-fish by um going to one or the other um, so yeah there's there's a little bit of everything here nice definitely gotta go check it out well if you think it's not ever good then i may not check it out <laughs> yeah anyways man congratulations um you've like you've seen uh, behind you you know you've had great success this season uh we kind of were talking the pre-recording there was in my opinion, right, and and this coming from somebody that haven't previously talked in person with you till now, but just kind of laying the landscape, right? As a podcaster, I always like to you know take part in tournaments, um, and read uh, and check out tournaments, you know, bios on each tournament, like yourself, like or like anglers, like yourself, like see how they're doing, you know, when they do great, when they what lakes they do great, and all that, and get a feel for like, you know. Um, who's some of the best out there because a lot of times we get caught up in what have you done for me lately we get overreact to one win and and all that but we forget the the tournament season is really is a marathon it's not about winning one tournament i mean winning one tournament can get you the toc or the um national championship and stuff like that but it's really about the longevity of it. it's a marathon you know it's being consistent and being there you know um in the thick of it when it comes to the angle of the year race um, and I've always said and talking to other anglers within the, the small group of national level tournament anglers. And by that, I mean the, the anglers that actually travel to the States, you know, like yourself going from one tournament to another KBF, OB, uh, Bass Masters, you know, a few names come to mind. Russ Snyder's, uh, Jack Snor, uh, Guillermo Gonzalez, Christian Fisher, and a whole lot more. All right. But everybody seems to agree you're a great angler. You know, for those that small group, but for those that kind of like just don't travel, but just see the results and we focus on who won and all that, it seems kind of like an unknown, right? Like Eric is not a household name, but the reality is you're one of the best anglers out there. And I'm not just saying that because you hear your name has come up on different conversations within the podcast and just private conversations. Now you were left out. We're talking about it out of the KBN top five, 25. Uh, because you didn't fish much last year. Felt like there was a little bit of disrespect there, maybe. I'm not saying there was on purpose or anything, but there might have been like a, 
a fire, you know, brewing underneath that said, <laughs> yeah. they might have kind of like made that big <clears throat> national championship just a little bit sweeter for you. And kind of your claim to say, and I'm not saying you're saying this, I'm saying I've the way I view it, I would be like, if I was Eric Siddiqui, is like, let's put some damn respect in my name now. You know, I won this. It's time I get my, uh, you know, my recognition. Do you feel that way? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I didn't really pay much attention to it. Uh, I actually had a buddy come to me and tell me that I got left off that list. And I was like, all right, well, I guess I just have to go win the, the Bassmaster Championship. <laughs> and so when I went and did it, he was pretty... Proven wrong. <laughs> yeah. yeah he's, a respectful uh... <laughs> middle finger to the guys of the yeah, like <laughs> yeah. I told him I was going to make a list of... Uh, of uh, a list. A list of lists that uh, judge bass anglers and... And which uh, lists judge bass anglers in the worst way, or something like that, and put them at the top of the list. So, judge <laughs> <laughs> the judge. That's pretty cool. How did it feel for you personally to win? You know that tournament. And it was it was amazing. I uh, <laughs> I've dreamed about that moment for a long time, and you know I've been watching Bass Masters since I was a kid, but. Um, not just that, that moment, but since I started kayak fishing, just dreaming about having that big win, you know, uh, ever since my first big tournament, when I fished the, the KBF championship on Kentucky Lake, uh, I've dreamed about getting up there and, and holding up that, that big trophy and that, that big win, you know, has kind of eluded me over the years. I've, I've had a lot of success, but that, that big championship win, I've, I haven't been able to get my hands on one of those trophies till now. So it feels really good to finally finally get that done it feels like i uh, finally get getting some uh some of the recognition that you know i feel like i've earned over the years definitely earned over the years do you do you feel like at all like a monkey off your back kind of thing or do you feel like more pressured to perform from now on no it feels uh I, i've always felt you know confidence is a huge thing so i've always been been pretty confident um, that I could win anywhere I go. Otherwise, I wouldn't travel to all these tournaments like I do. But uh, definitely feels like a weight's been lifted. You know, now that I've got that, that big win, and <clears throat> it's, I think it's going to help me the rest of the year fishing. Um, I have a lot of confidence that I'm going to be able to to handle my business this year, and um, I, I feel pretty good with anywhere I go that I have a chance to to win. So, I mean, I'm not. I don't consider myself a great springtime fisherman and I've had a pretty good spring. So I'm looking forward to the rest of the year. That's a good point. And I, and I was actually going to touch on that because in my previous recording with Cody Milton, we kind of talked about, you know, he is one of, if not the best at, you know, springtime fishing, mm -hmm. you know, that's where bread and butter, you know, that's where he earns his stripes kind of thing. And all those um, quotes that we can, we can insert there. Um, and it comes, came to a point where where is it like pressure to perform, you know, for him, was it, he felt like, okay, this is, I need to shine in the spring because come summer or winter, that's not where I'm good at. If I don't do good now, then it's not going to be a good season for me. It, do you have a season that you feel like, yeah, either, you know, post-spawn, pre-spawn, winter bite. Do you feel like there's a season where you're like, okay, I'm confident that in the year I'm going to ring, you know, that I'm going to get some hard words of cash. I feel pretty good in the post-spawn time and uh, really in the summer. When those bass move deep, um, <clears throat> I have a lot of confidence fishing deep. I'm pretty good with my electronics and stuff. So um, and I feel like, you know, 
it's making it made it a little bit easier for people with uh, the live scope and stuff like that being better at fishing deep. But uh, I have a lot, a lot of confidence and I know what I'm looking at and what I'm looking for. And I can find the fish when they move offshore. So uh, summertime, I feel like is gives me a good chance to win a lot of times. And that's a good segue into what I want to ask you now, because, you know, you mentioned you're good in the pre-spawn and then in kind of post-spawn summer, right? Guntersville was purely spawning, right? Mm -hmm. So it was not your strength. You know, it's not something that you're generally accustomed doing, accustomed to doing, but yet you won that tournament. Um, now, you know, you're riding that wave of momentum, you know, where the season where you would typically would struggle, now all of a sudden you got to win. And I can only imagine what's going to do for you the rest of the year now because you're get, grabbing, you know, you're in the pole position in a lot of ways when we're talking about ranking. Um, and yet your best season is yet, your best part of the season is yet to come. Do you feel that way? Do you feel like with Gunnersville, did that just give you more confidence moving forward into the season that you're going to do something like epic on this year? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm feeling pretty good, especially uh, being in the house with Cody and Christine and everybody this past week. Um, you know, I know, like like we talked about, Cody's an amazing springtime fisherman, and he came in uh, right behind me uh, in the in the Pro Series. I, I came in second, he came in third yeah. in the Pro Series. So just being able to when to beat a guy like that who I know has a ton of experience fishing, spawning fish and fishing in the spring and how, how good he is. Uh, if I could, it feels like if I could, if I could beat him there in that type of tournament, then I feel like, and he's one of the guys where you're always looking, you know, you had a good tournament if you beat him or, or Russ or Christine or, you know, any of those guys. So, um, yeah, so I, I have a lot of confidence going forward. Yeah, no, definitely Cody, especially coming from that win in Cattle, right? So he won in Cattle. Then um, you bump into him in Lake Gunnersfield. And, you know, when we're talking about spawning season, you got Cody on the list. No lead is safe. I mean, you can, you, no. you can have 10-inch lead going into the final hour of the final day. If Cody Milton is there, I, that is that may not be enough. <laughs> to yeah. win the tournament when we come to bed when it counts down to bed fishing so yeah and we talked on the phone and, and he jumped ahead of me and then when i was on the phone with him i caught one that jumped me ahead of him and he's like he's like, well i'm just going out and throwing a big swim bait the rest of the day i'm like oh god here we go <laughs> <laughs> i thought i thought he was gonna get that big one so but uh yeah it's it's uh it's fun uh you know rivalry between all of us and uh, you know, sometimes, you know, we know we're all going to have our time. So, and, you know, all of us are always, you know, kind of at the top. So we all, we'd all be excited for each other when we get our wins. Cause we all know we're going to get ours sooner or later. Definitely. And when you're surrounded, you know, with by greatness, it's not, and that applies to everyone. You know, you, when you surround yourself with greatness, it's going to make you better. And it's going to, you know, you're going to achieve that because you're surrounded by it. So naturally, right. you're going to gravitate towards that level um, as far as um, up in your game, just being <clears throat> some of the great anglers out there. And you definitely are some of the great and have been before even this year. Going back to the national championship, and I wanted to ask you, you know, considering, you know, kind of like the pressure you were in when it, Talk to me about that last day where you, you know, when did you realize you really had a shot at winning this? <laughs> it was really the first day of practice, honestly. When I really? found those fish, 
I knew I found something special. Um, I I started marking them, and uh, honestly, when I first started marking them, I'm like, man, these look like bass. But from what I know about this lake, the largemouth were going to be hard to find, and and they just look like giants. And I made a cast and caught a 22 and a half on the first cast, and caught a 21 plus in the second, and uh, threw back out there, and uh, another one ate it. I let them swim with it, tried to reel it in, another one ate it. So, uh, I mean, and there was a lot of them there. So I, I knew what I was on. And I went and checked it every day of practice. And um, and just the way the, the weather was setting up, the way the wind was blowing, they had a bunch of bait pushed back there in that pocket. So I felt like it, it would help keep the bait in there. I just didn't. And then there was a roadbed that kind of ran alongside it. And like I said, I'm comfortable fishing deep if they had pulled off. I did catch my biggest fish on the first day on a um, on the roadbed. It was a 19 and a half. So. Um, not trying to hammer too much on those shallow fish, but, um, yeah, first day of practice, I, I went to the house. Um, I wasn't staying with Cody and all them, but I stopped at their house, had a package delivered there and we're sitting around talking and I was, I made a decision. I was going to try to be more quiet about stuff I was doing and, uh, this year and, and not give up too much and everything. And I, it was giving me a headache sitting there and so <laughs> suddenly I was just like, so I'm going to win this one. <laughs> just <bought it. laughs> something like that and uh yeah so they're like really i'm like yeah so i started talking about what i found and stuff and um and i didn't honestly remember exactly how that went down but guillermo came up to me he's like yeah you said you were gonna win it he's like i thought i remember it specifically because i thought it was pretty ballsy with all of us sitting around <laughs> but uh yeah i knew if, if the conditions held up and, and everything i was gonna have a good chance to win um it was it was kind of crazy to see uh mickling come up and take the lead on me that first day because uh i felt like i was on uh a pretty special bite i didn't expect to see anybody on anything close but yeah he definitely gave me a run for my money and on the second day when did you did you not know officially until you got to put him or you already knew like even if they hadn't told you already looked at the board and said there's no way no all i knew uh, coming up toward the end of the day was I knew I was leading it. I hadn't seen Mickling really submit anything. Um, nobody was really close. And then um, I had my buddy Todd Patrick came and was drone uh, filming me. And uh, he's standing over the bank and he watched me catch uh, what ended up being the winning fish. And I, uh, um, I, I caught that fish and landed it. And he's like, what was that? I was like, uh, 17, uh, and a quarter, I think it was. And he goes, that gives you the lead back. I'm like, gives me it back. <laughs> I never knew I lost it. So <laughs> that's when I started getting worried. I was like, man. And that last hour after they shut the board off, I probably caught, I, I knew Mickling's smallest was like a 15 or something. And uh, I probably caught 10 over that in the last hour. So I'm like, there's no way. There's no way he didn't catch one. Because all he needed was a quarter inch upgrade. Um, if we had tied, he would have beat me because he had a big fish on me. So um, I was, I really didn't think I had a chance to win. Um, I was, you know, I did everything I could. I fished clean. I was happy with, you know, what I did no matter what. But yeah, uh, it wasn't until we had our, our meeting and we started talking uh, in the round table with Ike and Ellie. And he kept talking about how hard it was to get his fifth and, and how, you know, kept talking about how he got five and he was so hard to get his fifth and he got his fifth late and all this. 
And that's what started started me thinking maybe I got this because I was like, if he only caught five, then I I beat him. So that's what got me when I really started thinking maybe I, I had it. Who came in second? I, and I completely forgot. Um, John Mickling. John Mickling. <clears throat> yeah. That is awesome, man. And again, super happy for you. You now you did that, and then since then you've kind of gone on a tear. Like you did not rest on your laurels here. You've pretty much have just gone on complete tear. We just talked about <clears throat> or mentioned that you were in Gunnersville um, bed fishing, which is not your strong suit, and yet you hammered it. What did you, what did you find on on Gunnersville? Because you and I were talking to pre-recording, <clears throat> and you and I did the same thing. Now I was fishing Lake Whitney local tournament here in Texas. And I was doing the exact same thing you were doing, but for whatever reason, my results were a lot less favorable than yours. You obviously got that big win at Gunnersville. What did you find in Gunnersville, and how did you adapt so quickly to do, you know, the bed fishing thing? Well, I started. Uh, I started out by going to a creek that I really like. There's a good. You could kind of get a good idea with the shallow bite or deep bite of what's going on there, and that's where I started. And I saw a lot of beds, a lot of shallow fish, and then I. Uh, over the next couple of days hit some areas and just, and after hearing what Cody was on, what he had found, he, he was on some giants um, up on beds. So I knew I was going to have to find some big bed fish to compete with him. So um, I, I started, you know, hitting places that I thought would be good. Uh, I went to a place on Thursday and managed to catch a 23 incher and felt pretty good about that area. Um, Cal, that one off a of bed. And then uh, when I went Friday, uh, it was it was so busy. Every everywhere I thought I would look out there, there was a boat, or there was kayaks, or multiple boats and kayaks. Every pocket, every point, everything. So I went back to looking at my map, and and I see this area that was down down the river a little bit down the lake, and um, just looking at the conditions on the lake, I felt like nobody would probably even try to go there. So. Uh, I made the run. It was about two miles and uh, got up there and started checking. There was about 20 docks there um, in this pocket. And I started checking them and every single one had multiple beds on it. And uh, so I started marking the beds. Um, then I started seeing, you know, some had definitely had better fish on them. So I started marking those with a waypoint on my, on my fish finder. I would, I would use the Lorenz as so many different, um, emojis you could use. So I'd mark yeah. one with a sun, one with a heart, one with a, a phone. And when I'd mark it, um, I try to mark anything over 18 or so. And when I'd mark it, I would, I would put a little note in my phone, like this, the sun is behind the blue dock, um, on the walkway between the second and third post and stuff like that. So that's, that's how, um, I marked them and I found one dock that had better fish on it. Um, some look like some big ones, some around 20, 20 inches. So I went straight there in the morning, started there, caught the first one. The bed was right along the, the left side and caught the first one was like 18 and a quarter on a jackhammer. And then I went to the Cinco and there was a big one swimming around, uh, in the middle of the dock, there was a couple, um, tires and I, and I had marked, marked that bed and I knew right where it was, made the cast with the Senko and hooked into that one. That was a 20 and a half. Uh, then moved off and caught another on the right side of the dock. There was another one. I think that was, ended up being a 17 and a half or so. So I was, I was able just to, and then I had another, another one marked uh, around the corner, went over there and 
pulled in and that one ended up being, I think, 19 and a half. So I was just kind of sneaking up on them. I knew exactly where the beds were and just kind of snuck up there and just flipped the Cinco over there real quiet and uh, was able to get them to bite. And uh, I had, I, I think all the fish I ended up keeping, I caught the first hour and a half or so. That was on uh, day one? Day one, Gunnersville, yeah. Yeah, and what about, and you actually won day one of the trail series, right? Right, yeah. And you want the, and you also, and I, and I apologize, I try to keep up with uh, all the changes can be up. So you had that simultaneously, you're going through the um, pro series as well, right? And you won right. that one as well, right? No, came second in that one. Um, came second, okay. Yeah. So day two was a lot different. At the end of the day on day one, after I got my limit and uh, felt pretty good about it, I, I had some other, some other beds marked that I felt like, um, the boats can really get to there. Were, some of these docks were pretty tight. So I kind of left them alone and, uh, I went looking for about five hours. I had a lot of free time. So I decided to run around and see if I could find some bigger fish and really didn't find anything I really liked. Um, so I ended up coming back and, um, when I came back, I saw a lot of debris and stuff getting like pushed up in there. And with the weather that was coming in the second day, I was kind of worried about it. And uh, when I went in there the morning of the second day, there was just a lot of a lot of debris, eelgrass, floating logs, and stuff that I'd pushed in there. And uh, I ended up bailing on the docks and uh, throwing a jackhammer in the grass, like kind of out in front, like in the middle of the pocket. And I, I picked up uh, uh, 18, 18 three quarters or something, and a uh, 16 three quarter, and um, and then the weather got really bad. The wind started blowing off the main lake and, and pushing even more stuff. And I kind of almost had to wait it out, really. I couldn't do anything because I was in this, you know, not huge pocket right off the main lake. And the weather was terrible. But as, after that passed, I was able to uh, move around to this other pocket that I had that I knew there was fish in. It was, it was a pretty busy area with boats uh, on day one, but... There wasn't really anybody around on the second day. I think that bad weather on the lake helped keep them out. So I pulled into there and uh, went against some riprap against the bank and, and caught a 19 and a half. Uh, and then after that, it was it was just on. I caught probably 25 and back in that pocket. It was one after the other um, pretty well the rest of the day and was able to call up enough to, to get Cody by a quarter inch at the end of the day. But, um, yeah, it worked out pretty well. Yeah, I was happy I was able to find some some other fish to keep me up there. Yeah, that's and that speaks to you know the the ability to just adjust to the circumstances, right? Because I think at the end of the day, and definitely you you qualify as like we mentioned as one of the top anglers. Um, but I think one of the things that the fish um, separates, you know, kind of like I shouldn't say man from the boys because. Kind of sounds like I'm being sexist. Yes, I know there's, <laughs> there's females and but let's just say the kids from the adults. Yeah. Um, the the ability to adapt, make changes. One of the things that I've uh, I was really taken back talking to Rolando Nandine, who won in Toledo Bend, is like he had the biggest bag on day one, and day two he went to a completely different area. And I said, like, why the heck would you? not go to the same spot at least you know starting off knowing that you you know you pretty much blew away the competition on the day one and he's like i saw what the weather was doing i figured and it was it was going to be a drastic change from one day to the other so he went to a completely different part of the lake 
And I was like, I am way, way behind that learning curve. Yeah, like <laughs> I look at that and I'm thinking, I'm just trying to figure out where I can find five bass, let alone just being able to read the weather and um, anticipate what the bass are going to do from one from less than 24 hours, really, and and make the adjustment even before you hit the water. That is something that I think like we mentioned, you know, separates you from, from the pack and, and a lot of other great anglers. So props to you for that, man. It shows the experience that, you know, in all these years that you've uh, done this. I wanted to ask you about something because on the pre-recording, I asked you what you do for work and you actually, your your job is actually to go kayak bass fishing. Like quote unquote, the term that a lot of people hate, the PKA, professional kayak. Right. <laughs> your thoughts on that, you know, as making making one of the handful of people that are doing this for literally like a life. You know, what do you think of the term PKA and um, how do you see it moving forward? Um, well, I think that term was actually coined uh, with a, a guy who kind of moved in on me at the national championship on Gunnersville, um, kind of followed me around and, and, through a wrench in my game, let's say, <laughs> for a couple days. And that's what he called me and Christine Fisher uh, when he saw us go in there and practice or something. A couple of PKs went in there. So that's kind of where that yeah. came from. But, um, yeah, I mean, it doesn't bother me. Um, I know, like, Cody has to deal with it as much as anybody does, and he drives around with that big billboard. So I know when he's parked at a ramp, that ramp's going to get some extra attention. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> sometimes i'll try to stay away from that ramp myself but uh uh yeah i mean i think it's kind of like uh you know burning your ships <laughs> if you really want to do something uh i i'm i kind of have to cast a check at a lot of tournaments especially to keep doing it to keep going and uh you know provide and everything so uh, it gives you that extra you know kind of kick in the butt to to go that extra little bit to to make sure you're cashing a check at every event. A lot of yeah, times I'd like to like to go have some beers with the guys. I'm known for having a good time. Don't get me wrong, but sometimes I'm I'm better than I would be when I know I got a cash check in this event or something, you know. Kind of perform under pressure thing. Mm -hmm. What um I I was about to ask let's now I lost the train of thought. Wanted to ask you, oh, that's what I wanted to ask you. We talk about what it means for you personally winning the national championship. As far from the business side of it, you know, talking about sponsorships and putting your name out there. And obviously one of the big attractions of the Bass Master Kayak Series is the national championship. Although it may not have the prestigious elite level type like the OBTOC or the cash that would come with winning the national championship, the KBF, it does have the factor that you know, it's a company that, you know, attract a lot of uh, attention as far as sponsorship, endemic and non-endemic. How has that helped you in, in, you know, in your livelihood, winning the national championship? Any sponsorship that comes out of that? Any, you know, more FaceTime, you know, I more doing more podcasts, doing more interviews. How has that affected you? Yeah, definitely doing a lot more podcasts. But uh, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, Picked up some good sponsors and and got you know sponsors I've had for a while to to 
kind of step up and you know do a little more for me and stuff like that uh understanding especially with gas the way it is right now <laughs> like it's yeah. it's not easy to travel and and uh you know especially uh, i know how it is i've seen seen it with some of my buddies when you haven't won for a while it gets to be really tough you know when you're not at least covering expenses and stuff like that um it gets gets to be pretty you get pretty desperate pretty quick uh, so it's nice not having to worry about that uh, i've got a lot of great sponsors behind me um i i have had some really good sponsors behind me but now it's it's definitely made things a little bit easier with that that big signature win um they have me in the bass times uh this yeah. month so that was pretty pretty cool to see um so they they definitely are stepping up and and starting to give the kayak guys a little more recognition when they when they do stuff um so uh, yeah that's good to see but when we're on the usually we have on the kind of like our conversations on podcasts and you know and privately and on the recordings a lot of times within ourselves podcasters and um uh, national level kayak anglers uh, there's always the question is what is what's next as far as the growth for the sport and making it more viable or accessible to people to make a living out of it. In your opinion, what do you think needs the next step in the evolution of the growth of this board? I think we need to see more uh, sponsors kind of outside of the fishing industry coming in, um, getting involved. Um, that's where a lot of the money is. So, uh, you know, the a lot of the fishing companies that, that help us, and a lot of them do a lot in and stuff, but I really think it's gonna it's gonna take some sponsors coming from the outside, putting up some some money to kind of get us to the next level. Um, Bassmasters is big because of the name and everything, yeah. you know, as far as recognition goes, and and a big step in toward that direction. Um, and you know, I think getting toward a legitimate pro series, um, that'll be a a big step. In, in the right direction and getting some sponsorship, you know, outside of the industry to support something like that. Definitely. Would you, at any point, would you like to see this like live TV, kind of like what they're doing on, but that's something that would you think, is that something, let me ask it this way. I know it's going to help out, right. But is that something like you yourself from the enjoyment part of it, you know, keeping the business out of it, you know, are you like, you know, looking forward to maybe having a camera you know, on a pole on the back of you recording on your while you're doing everything or, you know, whatever it is. I think at some point the technology is going to match the ambition where you can see maybe live drone footage, um, boats following you around with a live camera. Do you, do you, would you embrace that at an action or as far as you're concerned for you and Jim, but you just want to go fish, you know, and, and just catch a check if you do. Yeah. Um, I just like fishing, honestly, but um, I think that's definitely needed to get to the next level. Uh, Bassmasters, they've they've started doing that. They had a boat out there filming me. They had a drone, all that stuff. Uh, Hobie does it too. And if they, you know, think you're gonna be uh, on the fish that week, they'll put a camera on your boat and stuff. Uh, for me, like when I'm outside of that, I don't bring a camera a whole lot. I've started doing it a little more this year. Uh, just because I hate editing video and it's been, uh, like I said, I just want to fish. And it's another thing, just another thing to have to deal with and yeah. and, and and everything. And I just like focusing on fishing. 
Uh, I probably, I know I should do more, but, but um, yeah, I think it'll be, it'll be good to have uh, K, uh, KBBT and KFL. They're doing some things where they're going to have, you know, the anglers on camera. And I think people will really enjoy that. Enjoy seeing, you know, how people fish a tournament, you know, throughout the day and everything. So that'll, that'll definitely get more people watching. That's, that's one of the big differences between us and what the boats do is they have, you know, camera guys out there following them all the time. If they didn't have that, they wouldn't have, you know, the yeah. sponsorships and everything that they have. So I think it, we're definitely going to have to get to that point. Uh, it's a little harder for us because we can't have a camera guy on yeah. our kayak with us. But, um, you know, with the way like Hobie and Bassmaster have been doing, having a boat follow us around, it, that can definitely be something that uh, happens in the future. Definitely. Action cameras too, like GoPros and all that. If I know some of them have the capability of going live, but it's not, mm -hmm. you know, it's not that that technology is still far away from just kind of having it broadcast on live streaming or even, uh, you know, a cable TV or, you know, something like, I would, I would say I've seen a couple of like, um, uh, live recordings of sports that are kind of obscure. And, and this is what I'm going with. Like I see Red Bull channel, which is a streaming service. They do their whole, their whole, uh, like mountain biking. Uh, trails they, they, it's all over the world they go you know they go from africa europe south america and this guys just travel the world on their mountain bikes and every month they just go down you know do the whole mountain bike thing it's actually live recorded and then you know the following week they'll come out with a condensed highlight version of it i can see that with the kayak fishing uh, kayak bass fishing somewhere down the line where it's you know the one that's technologies there that they can be able to do hey we'll do like eight hours live of this you know but it uh, wouldn't be cable tv of course but it would be something like a channel dedicated for outdoors whatever even who know who knows maybe something like ripple we see like um what is it that sport they play a lot in canada curling um mm. and i've seen that on like espn3 or spn2 one of those i'm like if they can have that we can definitely have kayak bass fishing as a live right. sport it's just a matter of the technology match, right. the ambition of it. Yeah. Um, and uh, I know uh, Eric Jackson is does a little little different kind of kayak fishing uh, a lot of time, a lot, a lot of different kind of kayaking. But uh, you know, he's got Red Bull and you know Fat Tires, a sponsor of his, and he was fishing this last tournament on Gunnersville and brought us a big cooler of Fat Tire to relax that that second day after the tournament was over. So that was nice. So. Uh, he, he's a big part of the sport and, yep. and, you know, so I think he, he's one of the guys who can uh, help us get, get there. A lot of those guys like that, who have the industry can, can kind of help bring them on. Yeah. We sometimes kind of overlooked Eric, um, Eric Jackson's name, but he really is kind of really one of the founding fathers Yeah, uh, when it comes to kayak, uh, uh, fishing in general even though he wasn't like a true kayak fisherman until um later on but he really has uh with jackson kayaks when he owned it and everything it's he really is one of the founding fathers um and deserves a lot deserves a lot of respect from our industry from the kayak fishing community um going back to to gunnersville you had a cool story uh found a little hole in the wall place or truck where you found some beers and decided the beer was so good that it warrant 
to stop pre-fishing for a whole day. <laughs> yeah. Tell us a little bit about yeah. that. That's the best kayak and beers epic story. Yeah, so me and Cody Millen and Christine Fisher ended up going to the same area on uh, Wednesday pre-fishing. And it, uh, you know, it was, it was pretty good. I actually, uh, when I got, we, I started smelling some, some really good barbecue. And there's a, a place, Casey's Barbecue, right there. And I pulled up there and actually caught a like 16 and I stood up and I saw a 23 incher right there swimming around. And I was like, wow. But, uh, I talked to Cody on the phone. I'm like, this barbecue smells too good. I'm pulling up here and eating. He's like, all right, I'm coming. So then we called Christine and she said, all right, I'm on my way. So, uh, we all went in there, ate some barbecue and we got some beer there and it ended up being, uh, uh, it's called, uh, truck stop back 40. And it was awesome. So we're uh, talking about how good the beer is and eating. And we finish and we head out and start fishing some more, catch a few fish, and all of us kind of couldn't stop thinking about that beer. So we ended up <laughs> just hanging it up for the day, heading back to the to the barbecue place and sat out there on the deck. And uh, I got a little video of them trying to catch that 23-incher from the deck while we're drinking that, that back 40. <laughs> and, uh, we sat around there all day uh drinking and we ended up uh calling matt scotch he came over there and hung out with us for a little bit <laughs> and everything so it was, it was a good day we gave up a day of pre-fishing to do it but it was uh definitely worth it that'll be a uh we'll remember that a lot longer than we would remember that day of pre-fishing i think and we also still ended up doing pretty good in the tournament so it didn't hurt us too bad yeah no i mean that that's part of it if, if you're not enjoying it if you're always pressured on catching fish and not enjoying it that was it all for so right you know those kind of things kind of outweigh um some of the labor side of it going back to where you're talking about the social media that's something that i really um found that uh, what's the word i'm looking for something that is I guess I overestimated, you know, I thought, you know, you just get a camera, go record, put up a video and all that. And I recently started doing, um, doing YouTube videos for being Spanish, my main language. So I started a YouTube uh, channel in Spanish, kind of like fluke master, but in Spanish, <laughs> because mm -hmm. I don't see a lot of people out there teaching in, in Spanish. And I've talked to a lot of people being from Puerto Rico, like guys that are and girls that want to learn more about bass fishing, but they, we don't have the resources. Um, teaching resources right and when you come to when we talk about you know like what rods what reels i think there's a lot of information that can be shared but going back to the reason why doing the youtube channel there when you get on the water i totally relate what you're saying because i it really you really have to discipline yourself to do something even though you would think on the back of your mind, oh, this is easy. I'm going to be on the water. Let's just do this, you know. But once you're on the water, I mean, once I'm on the water, I completely forget about recording. I completely forget about the GoPro, even it's running. I completely forget that I have to talk and that I have to share and that I have to have B-roll videos and I have to stop actually fishing to do recording and taking pictures and get a little bit of the wildlife. And it's it's something that, you know, you you kind of have to weigh it. Because a lot of times, like, once I'm there on the water, even though it seems a little straightforward, I'm like, I just want to fish. I don't care about making a video. So I kind of understand what you're saying. That's why I respect a lot of these um, kayak anglers that um, are actually putting YouTube content. Because you really have to love doing the YouTube content thing. 
because it's time consuming. If you really care about what putting, you know, putting quality to your name, you have to like edit it out, you know, um, and, you know, select background music and select the right cut and not make it too long. And you constantly have to start talking to the camera because you have to figure people are listening. They just don't want you to be sitting quiet, hooking, you know, it's not a, a highlight reel of you hooking into fish with some background music. There's a lot of like storytelling behind it. Um, sometimes I have to, you know, put the rod down, put on the drone and start taking like uh, videos of the area and stuff like that. Stuff that I, it's taking, away, taking me away from fishing, which is what I love doing. So I have a lot of respect for that. And I completely understand now taking part in tournaments, doing the whole pre-fishing and doing the whole YouTube content. Well, I understand why now there's always that kind of like difference between, okay, there's the content creator angler and the tournament angler. And you very hardly see somebody that does both at the same high level. The only one that really <clears throat> comes to mind to me is Christine Fisher. Yeah. She's my hero. Um, I don't know how she does it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. How. At, She's so good at it too. Yes. But and when you look at her videos, her videos are really it's not like and obviously she's not putting this whole um montage of you know B-rolls and background music. It's just bare to mm. the bone. This is me right. fishing. I'm gonna narrate what happens. And it's captivating. I enjoy it because mm. you learned a lot. But it's not the um, John B. Entertainment type video or the, you know, a next level fishing TV, which is not really showing you what happened in the tournament because there is no tournament. It's just guys and girls just going down the water and enjoying the water. So there is a difference in, in, in videos. So I, I mean, mad props because the only one that I comes to mind is Kristen Fisher. Grant Blanchard's another one that comes mm -hmm. to mind. But when we're talking about, you know, he does, he's more of a YouTube content creator than a tournament angler. Not that he's not a great tournament angler, but when you're talking about Russ Snyder, Christian Fisher, Guillermo Salas, Eric Siddiqui, that's the next level tournament mm. angler. It's just, you know, there, there's the elite group within the elite group. And only other than Christian Fisher, I don't see a lot of other people doing it. And it, it's I, hard I have to a lot find of time to do both. Yeah. I mean, to, when you're trying to prepare for a tournament and everything, and it's just, it's hard to to film and then edit stuff and, and find the time to do all that. A lot of times you only have enough time to find something to eat and then uh, rig up some stuff for the next day and try to get a few hours of sleep before you got to get up and do it again. So um, yeah, it gets, uh, it's really hard to do both. Yeah. And it's not <laughs> just, okay, I put up a GoPro in my kayak and I record. It's the whole, just to put a 15 minute video, it'll take me like three full days of just mm -hmm. editing trying to find some background music, just the whole right. thing, just to put a quality video on it. So when you look at it, it's like, how much am I getting paid an hour? Oh, that's right. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, at least at the beginning. So yeah, there, there's a goal rabbit hole. We can go down uh, in some other conversation, but definitely Eric, I want to, again, congratulations on what you've done this season. Uh, like we said uh, at the beginning, you've definitely earned it. It's, it's time we, we kind of put some respect into that Eric Siddiqui name. Um, and what when you're looking now at the rest of the season, anything marked on your calendar you, you're looking forward to that you want to accomplish this season other than what you already have? Um, I'm a little behind because I skipped uh, Lake Fork to watch the Bengals in the Super Bowl. But uh, I still have a shot at uh, Bassmaster AOI, and I'm pretty excited about the last two tournaments, uh, Smith Lake. 
and uh, Pickwick, which is really where I taught myself how to bass fish, was Pickwick Lake. So if I can do well at Smith Lake, I'll give myself a chance at, at Pickwick to uh, to go for that. And I would just like to get a win there anyways, just because uh, it's my uh, – as close to a home lake as really I, I've got, I would say. Um, <clears throat> and uh, a few years back, I was pretty close at – on a KBF event and I had a rudder cable snap on me when I was leading it and I ended up dropping a third in that one. So that one kind of hurt. So um, I'm really, really hoping to get a win there at Pickwick. Um, there's a KBF on uh, St. Clair's is always one of my favorite lakes is a St. Clair Lake Erie tournament. So I'm looking forward to that one. Um, and then as far as Hobie goes, there's one on Chickamauga and, you know, really any any lake on the tennessee river i'm happy to go to and and chicks a special place too so uh i'm i'm really interested to see how that one works out too well we wish you the best on all of them um let me ask you one more question before i let you go the um well actually i got a couple more but going into you know winning the national championship obviously that's been the highlight of your career so far is there any other – we talk about the, the national level, right? We There's the KBN 10, which I think that's a prestigious tournament uh, just because it's hard to qualify. You know, it's only 10 of you. Um, there's the national championships KBF, which I think of all of them pays the most. There's the Hobie BOS, which, you know, win, which kind of like the elite, kind of like if you win there, you really, you know, won against really the top 50 anglers in, in the nation, in my opinion. And then there's the national championship already won it brings you a lot of attention to your name and your brand which one you already got the national championship is there any other that would top what you did in, in your mind would like winning the toc or the kbf national championship would be higher or equal or lower than what you already accomplished in the bassmaster national championship um i think uh you know the toc is a little harder to qualify for so that's a huge one you're up against the best of the best, but in a lot of a lot of these tournaments, you're up against the best of the best already, and then you've got uh, everybody else to deal with on top of it. Um, the KBF National Championship, I think, would be a, a big one because that was my first big event. I fished every one um, since 2017, I believe, was the first one, uh, maybe 16, and uh, so that would be that would be a huge one. But um, yeah, I'd like to win them all, really. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you do. <laughs> but the question is, would there be one more that tops the other? I, I don't know if there would be one more. Uh, I've always wanted to get that championship. I got that under my belt. But I, I think the – I have to say the KBF would be the sweetest one just, just because I've been dreaming about winning that one for longer than I have the – since it's been around longer than the Hobie championship yeah. has. So I think that one would probably be the, the sweetest one to, to win. Um, yeah, I think that that would be a good. One. Also, I've got uh the world championships this year, so it would be pretty cool to be world champion. Also, uh, going to Sweden in August for the the Hobie World Championships, we're uh finally able to have it. COVID's finally uh, allowing us to be able to have it, so uh that'd be that'd be a good one too. What do you fish for in Sweden? I have to find uh, out more information about the world championships. I have I have very little knowledge about it, but I know it's a thing. Yeah, uh, pike and perch is what we'll be going after. And, uh, yeah, actually, I won a tournament on Lake St. Clair to qualify for that one. Um, and I uh, fished the world championships, um, the previous world championships in uh, Australia, Gold Coast, Australia. So that was 
that was an amazing uh, experience. So I'm really excited to get back to that. It's it's pretty neat having guys from across the world, you know, that same yeah. love for kayak fishing and getting to talk with them and, and have a good time. And Hobie puts on a great, great event there. So uh, that's uh, exciting. Yeah, no, Hobie World is something that, again, we, I, you know, when we talk about kayak bass fishing, sometimes we get that tunnel vision of just, you know, it's just kayak bass fishing, but really kayak fishing is, it's, there's a lot bigger world out there, um, mm. especially when you're trying to make a living out of it. Um, let me ask you something else. On When it comes to the Bassmaster Kayak Series, I know a lot of people were kind of, it's kind of been disappointing with the progression, kind of a lot of people. Uh, me myself included expecting more of it we really want to see Bassmaster Kayak Series take it to the next level right it's not just as a fan but we want those national tournament anglers like yourself and all the ones that we've mentioned to really be able to make a living out of it and I think a lot of it's going to be predicated on the Bassmaster success there's been a lot of stumbles coming out of the gate here in the third season on your mind what what would you like to see the Bassmaster Kayak Series uh, improve on for next season? Um, I'd like to see them just kind of promote, promote it a little bit more, promote the anglers a little bit more on their, um, you know, social media and, and, you know, on their magazine and stuff and kind of, um, I think they've, it'd be hard for them not to see like how big kayak fishing is. Even if you go to, uh, the show, you know, the Bassmaster, yeah. it's, it, there's, it's kayak fishing everywhere. So, and, uh, you know, I walked into the waterfront bait and tackle at, um, at Gunnersville and, and the guy was telling me, he's like, you know, we can't tell the difference between you kayak fishermen and the boaters anymore. You come in and you buy the same stuff. Unless we talk to you, we don't know whether you're a kayak fisherman or a boater. So I think, you know, that says a lot. So, uh, I'd like to see them kind of, um, start giving some of the kayak guys the, the kind of promotion that they give the boaters. Um, but, uh you know, get to a hundred percent payout, like, you know, KBF and, and Hobie really, you know, you, you win one of those events, you're, you're cashing a pretty big check, especially in their championship. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I'd like to see them kind of get there. We'll see. Hopefully uh, season four is going to be more of a, uh, an improvement than what we've seen the last three years, but yeah, like we mentioned, we, we want, you know, we, we may all have our opinions about it and we may not always agree with what direction they're going but what we do, I think we all agree on this. We want them to reach the level because, you know, they're, they're the, you know, every one of us, at least in our kind of like age is grew up watching Bassmasters. Right. You know, so it, it's, there's a, there's a mystique or, a, a, you know, attached to it more so than, than fishing Hobie or KBF. I mean, Hobie does a great job. AJ McWhorter does a great job. But just the Bass Master Kayaksery is just like it's 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 one yeah, of those sports that has created <clears throat> generations of bass fishermen just because it's been there the longest. And you want to see that same success they've done with the bass boat, taking that popularity to be able to apply that to the kayak bass fishing. So we'll see. Before I let you go, Eric, I wanted to do a couple of uh, kind of rapid, quick questions, fun questions. You ready for this? No, I'm ready. All right, cool. If you couldn't fish for bass what type of fish would you be targeting? Uh, I do like red fishing. Those those fish nice. are fun to catch. They're not super hard to catch, which sometimes is nice, but they're, they're, they put up a good fight, so I do like red fishing. Definitely. I, I think that's the number one answer I get when I ask. Usually it's either, yeah, it's usually uh, 
um, bass uh, red fishing. I haven't yet to say, hear anybody say I'll be fishing for sturgeon or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard that one, but that's a good one. Um, favorite rod and reel setup that you have or use? Um, probably uh, like a seven four heavy um, with a um, Shimano Bantam. Uh, seven, I think it's a, it might be a faster reel, so an A1 maybe. Nice. That is a nice setup. Uh, if you can only fish one lure for the rest of your life, what lure would that be? Jig. Jig? Any particular jig, brand, color? Mm, um, I, I like, that's a tough one. I, I, I love fishing swim jigs and structure jigs and football jigs. If I catch them on a jig, I'm happy. Um, catch them on a frog's fun, but uh, the hookup ratio and and stuff isn't always great on those, but that is a fun bite. But I love catching them on jig. One of my favorite things is setting the hook. So uh, a jig, you can fish slow, and when they eat it, you get to hammer them. So that's what I love about it. Definitely. Um, assuming you don't have this already, what is your dream kayak setup? Brand, model, fish finder, all the web bells and whistles that you could dream of using on a kayak. What would be your, describe me what would be your dream kayak setup if you're already not fishing on it? Um, fishing? Well, I'm fishing out of a Hobie 180 right now, and, and I can't tell you how many times I've thought how nice it would be to be able to go sideways. So uh, uh, <laughs> PA 14 360 would probably be uh, what I'd like to go to, and then um, uh, double Lawrence um hds9 lives you know one running uh the active target which they just sent me uh so big shout out to Lawrence for that and uh i've just gotten started playing with that thing and it's it's really cool so <laughs> that's that's gonna i don't know if it's gonna help me or not this year uh i've so far wasted a lot of time <laughs> with it but it's 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 definitely super cool and i can see it definitely help me in the future um so yeah that I think that would probably probably be the uh, the way to go. And a uh, uh, Torquedo eleven oh three, those things are awesome. Yeah, I mean, if you if you kayak fish, you definitely need the best of the best if you're going to compete in tournaments, and that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, it gives you that extra edge, especially when, like you said, when you're doing this for a living, it you can use all the help you get. But mm -hmm. that is a sweet setup, no doubt. Yeah. Eric, I wanted to give you a couple of minutes to. Uh, Shout out anybody you want to shout out sponsors, family, anybody that's helped you with your kayak fishing uh, growth. Go ahead and take as much time as you need. Yeah. Um, shout out to my family for, man, for putting up with all the traveling, my boys especially. I know it's not easy on them, especially this time of year. Um, big shout out to Dakota Lithium. Uh, it'd be hard to do this without them. They, they take care of my lodging and, and keep me powered on the water and everything. So. Um, Big shout out to them, Stormy. He always takes care of us, anything we need. So uh, that's huge. Um, fishing online, I've been with them for a long time. And if I know if I need anything, you know, before a tournament, they'll they'll do everything they can to get it to me. So that that's been a huge help over the years. Um, uh, I just had Yak Power send me a whole new system. That's the best system on the market, in my opinion. Um, so I've been using that for probably five years now. And uh, that matched up with the Dakota. I don't really. I remember when I started, I used to have to uh, wonder in the morning if my fish finder was even going to turn on. You know, I'd hit that button, and then when I hear that yeah. beep, I'd be like, yeah, 
<laughs> Always a good day when the fish finder turns on in the morning. But uh, I right? <laughs> don't have to worry about it as much anymore. So that's nice. Um, and we're down on the list. Uh, Lawrence, of course. Um, Yak Attack. Uh, been using. I actually, I been using the same Yak Attack net for a landing net for probably eight years now. Really? And yeah. And I, when I was out on Gunnersville on Thursday, when I caught that 23, I must've had it come off when it got to the ramp or something like that. <clears throat> and uh, I didn't realize it until I got out the next day, I went to the launch in the same area and realized I didn't have my net. And I'm like, Oh man. And I was like, maybe it came off where I caught that 23 back there. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff back there. Maybe it got pulled off or something. I went and looked and couldn't find it. Went back to pre-fishing, found my fish, got back to the ramp. And I was actually standing there at the ramp, um, rigging up something for bed fishing, trying out a little setup. And I was flipping it over, looking at it. And I happened to look over and I see the back end of my net sticking out of the water. And I'm like, <laughs> no way. <laughs> so I went and grabbed that. I haven't been that happy uh, in a while. <laughs> I was pretty excited when I found that. So, uh, you know, I was like, this is going to be a good tournament. And then I won the next yeah. day. So, <laughs> so yeah, I uh, love that. The attack landing net. Um so let's see, uh, power pole, uh, the bomb anchors. That was also a big deal. Uh, when that wind picked up, um, on, on Saturday when I was bed fishing, I tied that thing to, um, my, the line I got tied to the front, threw it out there and was able to do some bed fishing with, with that thing. Um, they actually named one after me, the Eric money Siddiqui edition. It's a green oh, nice. anchor. <laughs> so that's the one I was using. Uh, Detroit Grooming is a beard oil company that I that I use. Uh, it's a sponsor I picked up after the classic. Uh, Buck and Bass makes amazing rain gear. Um, I actually uh, talked to them before the classic, and and uh, they offered me a deal, and I was like, we'll talk when we get there. And and then I went and, and won the tournament, so uh, was able to get get them to sponsor me. And that and I've needed some good rain gear for a while, and that stuff's awesome. So check that out. Um, Mainstream Outdoors been helping me out um, up in Michigan. Uh, Z-Man is another one. I, I've been using their products for a long time. Everybody loves the jackhammer. I won my first tournament on a um, on a, a Ned Rig, so uh, up in the cross. So uh, big shout out to them. And St. Croix Rods is a new uh, sponsor of mine I just picked up. So uh, I've been using their rods for a long time. I actually have a video of me catching a 25 and a half inch down in Florida on a, on a Legend. So um, – yeah. So yeah, uh, I think that's about it. Torquedo mentioned. I think that's all. I actually wrote them down this time because I can never remember all. <laughs> well, that that's good, man. That that speaks to you know your level of commitment to the sport and your hard work. You know, you don't get that many sponsors just by um, kind of sitting on your laurels there. So congratulations, you've definitely earned that. Uh, we wish you the best moving forward. Uh, um, hopefully you're not in Broken Bow. Are you? What's your next tournament going to be? Yeah, Broken Bow. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't That's fish exactly. it last year, so uh, yeah, it looks like Cool Lake. Uh, I've heard heard the roads aren't the best around it, <laughs> so uh, yeah, uh, yeah, it should be an interesting tournament though. Uh, the House Dakota Goddess looks awesome though. I don't know how focused I'm going to be. There's a Miss Pac-Man machine and an NBA Jam machine along with the shuffleboard oh, table. So. NBA Jam? And, yeah. Yeah. So you just stop by and play a little bit. It looks, looks yeah, pretty man. cool. Yeah, man. When you get that, uh, that fireball, 
Oh yeah, you. on fire. Yeah, <laughs> you're on fire. That's the best yeah. part. Yeah, you're telling me. Yeah, <laughs> we'll definitely hope uh, to see you there, man. It's gonna be exciting. Really excited yeah. to be broke. It's gonna be a fun tournament. Yeah, and uh, I've already recorded a couple of episodes with other anglers, and it seems like it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of uh, big names, you know, going into uh, Broken Bow. So it makes it all the more exciting and the more enjoyable whenever you catch a check. So right. uh, excited about that, man. Wish you the best, uh, seriously, moving forward for the rest of the season and beyond. And again, Eric, thank you for blessing the podcast and coming up to the show. I know you're a busy man, and uh, I really appreciate it. Um, any last words before we let you go? No. Looking forward to seeing everybody at the next one. Um, hope I beat you. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure the sentiment is reciprocated. <laughs> yeah. But for those out there listening, if you made it this far, appreciate it. Thank you again and thank you for Eric for joining us. Go check out the sponsor, DouglasOutdoors.com. Have a great day, everyone. If you're gonna be on the water, please be responsible. Wear your PFDs. If you haven't gonna if you're gonna have a couple of beers, you know, um, stay safe uh and be responsible. So have a great night, everyone.